0: As she passes. When I am sitting at the window through the panes, which the snow blurs, I see the lovely images, hers, as she passes, passes, passes by. Over me grief has thrown its veil, less a creature in this world, and one more angel in the sky. When I am sitting at the window through the panes, which the snow blurs, I think I see the image, hers, that's not now passing, passing by. At times I have, at times I have happy ideas, ideas suddenly happy in among ideas and the words in which they naturally shake free. After writing, I read, what made me write that? Where have I been to find that? Where did that come to me from? It is better than me. Shall we have been in the world at the most pen and ink with which somebody writes properly what we here jot? crown me with roses crown me with roses crown me really with roses roses which burn out on a forehead burning so soon out crown me with roses and with fleeting leafage that will do hate you, Christ, I do not Hate you, Christ, I do not, or seek. I believe in you as in the other as gods, your elders. I count you as neither more nor less than they are, merely newer. I do hate, yes, and calmly abhor people who seek you above the other gods, yours equals. I seek you where you are, not higher than them, not lower yourself merely. Say God, needed perhaps, because there was none like you. One more in the pantheon, nothing more, not pure, because the whole was complete with God's, except you. Take care, exclusive idolater of Christ. Life is multiple, all days different from each other and only as multiple shall we be with reality and alone. I am tired. I am tired, that is clear, because, at certain stage, people have to be tired. Of what I am tired, I don't know. It would not serve me at all to know, since the tiredness stays just the same. The wounds hurts as it hurts and not in function of the cause that produced it yes i am tired and ever so slightly smiling at the tiredness being only this in the body a wish for sleep in the soul a desire for not thinking and to crown all a luminous transparency of the retrospective understanding and the one luxury of not now having hopes? I am intelligent, that's all. I have seen much and understood much of what I have seen. And there is a certain pleasure, even in tiredness, this brings us, that in the end, the head does still serve for something. I have a terrible cold. I have a terrible cold, and everyone knows how terrible colds alter the whole system of the universe, set us against life, and make even metaphysics sneeze. I have wasted the whole day blowing my nose. My head is aching vaguely, sad condition for a minor poet. Today I am really and truly a minor poet. What I was in old days was a wish. It's gone. Goodbye forever, queen of fairies. Your wings were made of sun, and I am walking here. I shan't get well unless I go and lie down on my bed. I never was well except lying down on the universe. Excusez un peu. What a terrible cold. It's physical. I need truth and aspirin. I know I alone. I know I alone, how much it hurts, this heart, with no faith, nor law, nor melody, nor thought. Only I, only I, and none of this can I say, because feeling is like the sky, seen nothing in it to see if after i die if after i die they should want to write my biography there is nothing simpler i've just two dates of my birth and of my death in between the one thing and the other all the days are mine i am easy to describe i lived like mad i loved things without any sentimentality I never had a desire I could not fulfill, because I never went blind. Even hearing was to me never more than an accompaniment of seeing. I understood that things are real and all different from each other. I understood it with the eyes, never with thinking. To understand it with thinking would be to find them all equal. One day I felt sleepy like a child. I closed my eyes and slept. And by the way, I was only nature's poet. Love is essential. Love is essential. Sex, mere accident, can be equal or different. A man's not an animal, is a flesh intelligent, although sometimes ill. Should somebody one day Should somebody one day knock at your door, announcing he's an emissary of mine, never believe him, nor that it is I, for to knock does not go with my vainglory, even at the unreal door of the sky. But should you, naturally and without hearing, anyone knock, Come to your door, unbar it, and find somebody waiting, it appears. To dare to knock, give it some thought. It was my emissary, and I, and the retinue of my glorying, in what drives to despair and what despairs. Unbar to who does not knock at your door. The Keeper of Sheep. I never kept sheep, but it is as I did watch over them. My soul is like a shepherd, knows the wind and the sun, and goes hand in hand with the seasons to follow and to listen. All peace of nature without people comes to sit by my side, but I remain sad like a sunset as our imagining shows it when a chill falls at the side of the valley and you feel night has come in like a butterfly through a window. But my sadness is calm because it is natural and right and is what there should be in the soul when it is thinking it exists. And the hands are picking flowers without noticing which At a jangle of sheep bells beyond the bend of the road, my thoughts are contented. Only I am sorry I know they are contented because if I did not know it, instead of being contented and sad, they would be cheerful and contented. To think is uncomfortable like walking in the rain when the wind is rising and it looks like raining more. I have no ambitions or wants To be a poet is not ambition of mine It is way of staying alone There is ample metaphysics in not thinking at all What do I know about the world? How should I know what I think about the world? If I were ill, I would think about it What idea have I about things? What opinion do I have on causes and effects? What meditations have I had upon God and the soul and upon the creation of the world? I don't know. For me to think about that is to shut my eyes and not think. It is to draw the curtains of my window it has no curtains. The mystery of things? How should I know what a mystery is? The only mystery is there, being somebody who might think about mystery. A man who stands in the sun and shuts his eyes, begins not to know what the sun is, and to think many things full of heat. But he opens his eyes and sees the sun, and now he cannot think of anything, because the light of the sun is worth more than the thoughts of all the philosopher and all the poets. The light of the sun does not know what it is doing, and so does stray and is common and good. Metaphysics, What metaphysics do those trees have? That of being green and having crowns and branches and that of giving fruit at their hours which is not what makes us think us who don't know to be aware of them. But what better metaphysics than theirs which is not knowing why they live and not knowing they don't know? One wildly clear day, the kind when you wish you had done a pile of work, not to have to do any that day. I caught sight like a road ahead among trees of what may be the great secret, that great mystery the false poets speak of. I saw that in no nature, that nature does not exist that there are mountains, valleys, plains, that there are trees, flowers, grasses, that there are steams and stones, but that there's not a whole lot to which this belongs, that any real and true connection is a disease of our ideas. Nature is parts without a whole. This perhaps is that mystery they speak of. This was what, without thought or even a pause, I realized must be the truth, which all set out to find and do not find. And I alone, because I did not try to find it, found. I take myself indoors and shut the window. They bring the lamp and give me good night and my contented voice gives them good night. Oh, that my life may always be this, the day full of sun or soft with rain, or stormy as if the word were coming to an end, the evening soft and the groups of people passing, watched with interest from the window, the last friendly look given the calm of the trees, And then, the window shut, the lamp lit, not reading anything, nor thinking of anything, not sleeping, to feel life flowing over me like a stream over its bed. And out there, a great silence, like a god asleep. This. They say I pretend or lie, all I write, no such thing. It simply is that I feel by imagining, I don't use the heart string. All that I dream or lose, that falls short or dies on me, is like a terrace which looks on another thing beyond, it's that thing leads me on. And so I write in the middle of things not next one's feet. Free from my own muddle, concerned for what is not. Feel, let the reader feel. Your eyes go sad. Your eyes go sad. You're not listening to what I say. They doze, dream, fade out, not listening. I talk away. I tell what I've told out of listless sadness, so often before. I think you never listened, so you're away, you are. All of a sudden, an absent stare, you look at me, still immeasurably distant. You begin a smile. I go on talking, you go on listening your own thoughts you listen to, the smile as good as gone, until, through the loafing, afternoon's waste of while, the silence self-unleafing of your useless smile. I contemplate the silent pond whose water is stirred by a breeze. Am I thinking about everything or has everything forgotten me. I thank God I'm not good, but have the natural egoism of flowers and rivers that follow their path, unwittingly preoccupied with only their flowering and their flowing. The Art of Effective Dreaming Make sure, first of all, that you respect nothing, believe nothing. But while showing disrespect, you should hold on to the desire to respect something. While despising what you don't love, you should retain the painful longing to love someone. And while disdaining life, you should preserve the idea that it must be wonderful to live and cherish it. Having done this, you'll have laid the foundation for the edifice of your dreams. Remember that you're embarking on the loftiest task of all. To dream is to find ourselves. You're going to be Columbus of your soul. You're going to set out to discover your own landscapes. Make sure you're on the right track and that your instruments can't mislead you. The art of dreaming is difficult because it's an art of passivity in which we concentrate our efforts on avoiding all effort. If there were an art of sleeping, it would no doubt be somewhat similar. Note that the art of dreaming is not the art of directing our dreams. To direct is to act. The true dreamer surrenders to himself. Is possessed by himself. Avoid all material stimulants. In the beginning, you'll be tempted to masturbate, to consume alcohol, to smoke opium. This is all effort and seeking. To be a good dreamer, you have to be nothing but a dreamer. Opium and morphine are purchased in pharmacies. How can you expect to dream through them? Masturbation is a physical thing. How can you expect? Now, if you dream about masturbating, all fine and good. If you dream about smoking opium or taking morphine and become intoxicated from the idea of the opium, of the morphine of your dreams, then you deserve to be praised. You are performing like a perfect dreamer. Always think of yourself as sadder and more miserable than you are. There's no harm in it. It even serves as a kind of trick ladder to the world of dreams. Postpone everything. Never do today what you can leave for tomorrow. In fact, You do not need to do anything at all tomorrow or today. Never think about what you're going to do. Don't do it. Live your life, don't be lived by it. Right or wrong, happy or sad, be your own self. You can do this only by dreaming because your real life, your human life, is the one that doesn't belong to you, but to others. You must replace your life with your dreaming, concentrating only on dreaming perfectly. In all the acts of your real life, from that of being born to that of dying, you don't act, you're acted, you don't live. You're merely lived. Become an inscrutable sphinx to others. Shut yourself in your ivory tower, but without slamming the door. Your ivory tower is you. And if someone tells you this is false and absurd, don't believe it. But don't believe in what I say either because one not not believe in anything? Disdain everything, but in such a way that your disdain doesn't disturb you. Don't think you're superior because you disdain. This is the key to the art of noble disdain. Reason, everything is easy and because everything for me is a dream, I decide to dream something and I dream it. Sometimes I create in myself a philosopher who methodically expounds philosophies, while I, a young page, pay court to his daughter, whose soul I am, outside the window of her house. I'm limited, of course, by what I know. I can't create a mathematician but I'm content with what I have, which already allows for infinite combinations and countless dreams. And perhaps through dreaming, I'll achieve still more. Though it's not really worth the bother, I'm already quite satisfied. Pulverization of the personality. I don't know what my ideas are, nor my feelings or my character. When I feel something, I feel it only vaguely in the visualized person of some being or other that appears in me. I've replaced my own self with my dreams. Each person is merely his own dream of himself. I'm not even that. never read a book to the end, nor in sequence and without skipping. I've never known what I felt. Whenever people spoke to me of such and such emotion and described it, I always felt they were describing something in my soul. But when I thought about it later, I always doubted. I never know if what I feel, I am is really what I am or merely what I think I am. I'm a character of my own plays. Effort is useless, but entertains. Reason is sterile, but amusing. To love is tiresome, but is perhaps preferable to not loving. Dreaming, however, substitutes for everything. In dreams, I can have the impression of effort without actual effort. I can enter battles without the risk of getting scarred or being wounded. I can reason without aiming to arrive at some truth, which I would never arrive at in any case, without trying to solve some problem, which I know I will never solve. I can love without worrying about being rejected or cheated on and without getting bored. I can change my sweetheart and she'll always be the same. And should I wish to be cheated on or spurned, I can make it happen and always in the way I want, always in the way that gives me pleasure. In dreams, I can experience the worst anxieties, the harshest torments, the greatest victories. I can experience all of it as if it happened in life. It depends only on my ability to make my dreams vivid, sharp, real. This requires study and inner patience. There are various ways of dreaming one is to surrender completely to your dreams without trying to make them clear and sharp. Letting yourself go in the hazy twilight of the sensations they arouse. This is an inferior, tiresome form of dreaming for it's monotonous, always the same. Rather different is the clear and directed dream, but the effort expended on directing it makes the dream too obviously artificial. The supreme artist, the kind of dreamer I am, expends only the effort of wanting his dream to be such and such in accord with his whims. And it unfolds before him exactly as he would have desired, but could have never conceived because the mental effort would have worn him out. I want to dream of myself as a king. I decide all of a sudden that this is what I want. And lo and behold, I'm the king of some country. Which one and what kind, the dream will tell me. For I've so triumphed over my dreams that they always unexpectedly bring me what I want. By focusing more sharply, I can perfect those scenes of life that come to me as only vague impressions. I would be utterly incapable of consciously picturing the middle ages of diverse eras on diverse earths that I've experienced in dreams. I'm amazed at the wealth of imagination that I never realized was in me. I let my dreams go their own way. They've become so pure that they always surpass my expectations. They're always even more beautiful than what I wanted. But only the most advanced dreamer can hope to reach this point. I've spent years dreamingly striving for this. And today I achieve it without effort. The best way to start dreaming is through books. Novels are especially helpful for the beginner. The first step is to learn to give in completely to your reading, to live totally with the characters of a novel. You'll know you're making progress when your own family and its troubles seem insipid and loathsome by comparison. It's best to avoid reading literary novels, which tend to divert our attention to the formal structure. I'm not ashamed to admit that this is how I started. Strangely enough, detective novels are what I read. I was never able to read romantic novels in any sustained way, but this is for personal reasons. I being romantically disinclined, even in my dreams. Let each man cultivate his particular inclination. Let us never forget that to dream is to explore ourselves. Sensual souls for their reading matter should choose the opposite of what I read. When the dreamer experiences physical sensation When a novel novel about combat, flights, and battles leaves his body really exhausted and his legs worn out, then he has passed beyond the first stage of dreaming. In the case of the sensual soul, he should be able, without any masturbation, except in his mind, to experience an ejaculation at the appropriate moment during the novel. Next, the dreamer should try to transfer all of this to the mental plane. The dreamed ejaculation, which I choose as the most violent and striking example, should be felt without actually happening. The fatigue will be greater, but the pleasure will be incomparably more intense. In the third stage, all sensation becomes mental. This increases the feeling of pleasure and also fatigue, but the body no longer feels anything. Instead of weary limbs, it's our mind, will, and emotions Become slack and sluggish. Having arrived this far, it's time to advance to the supreme stage of dreaming. Third stage. Once our imagination has been trained, it will fashion dreams all by itself whenever we want. At this point, there's hardly even any mental fatigue. The dissolution of personality is total. We are mere ashes endowed with a soul, but no form, not even that of water, which adopts the shape of the vessel that holds it. With this thoroughly established, complete and autonomous plays can unfold in us line by line. We may no longer have the energy to write them, but that won't be necessary we'll be able to create second-hand. We can imagine one poet writing in us in one way, while another poet will write in a different way. I, having refined the skill to a considerable degree, can write in countlessly different ways, all of them original. The highest stage of dreaming is when Having created a picture with various figures, whose lives we live all at the same time, we are jointly and interactively all of those souls. This leads to an incredible degree of depersonalization and the reduction of our spirit to ashes. And it is hard, I admit, not to feel a general weariness throughout one's entire being but what a triumph. This is the only final asceticism. It's an asceticism without faith and without any God. God am I. Autopsychography. The poet is a man who feigns and feigns so thoroughly at last. He manages to feign as pain, the pain he really feels. And those who read what once he wrote, feel clearly in the pain they read. Neither of the pains he felt, only a pain they cannot sense. And thus, around its jolting track, there runs to keep our reason busy. The circling clockwork train of ours, that man agree to call A heart. Across the visible skies run, we two of our lives must make one day. We never know, my Lydia, nor want to know of nights before or after the little while that we may last. To be great, be whole. Nothing that's you should you exaggerate or exclude. In each thing, be all. Give all you are in the least you ever do. The whole moon, because it rides so high, is reflected in each pool. Discontinuous poems. The frightful reality of things is my everyday discovery. Each thing is what it is. How can I explain to anyone how much I rejoice over this and find it enough? To be whole, it is enough to exist. I have written quite a number of poems and may write many more, of course. Each poem of mine explains it. Though all my poems are different, because each thing that exists is always proclaiming it. Sometimes I busy myself with watching a stone. I don't begin thinking whether it feels. I don't force myself to call it my sister, but I enjoy it because of its being a stone. I enjoy it because it feels nothing. I enjoy it because it is not at all related to me. At times I also hear the wind blow by, and find that merely to hear the wind blow makes it worth having been born. I don't know what others will think who read this, but I find it must be good because I think it without effort, and without the idea of others hearing me think, because I think it without thoughts, because I say it as my words say it. Once they called me a materialist poet, and I admired myself because never I thought that I might be called by any name at all. I am not even a poet. I see. If what I write has any value, it is not I who am valuable. The value is there in my verses. All this has nothing whatever to do with any will of mine. The Herdsman I'm herdsman of a flock. The sheep are my thoughts, and my thoughts are all sensations. I think with my eyes and my ears and my hands and feet and nostrils and mouth. To think a flower is to see and smell it. To eat a fruit is to sense its savor. And that is why, when I feel sad, in a day of heat, because of so much joy, and lay me down in the grass to rest and close my sun-warmed eyes, I feel my whole body relaxed in reality and know the whole truth, and am happy.